You're listening to a special edition of On the Record, online with Eric Schwartzman, the official podcast of the Public Relations Society of America International Conference, October 16th through 19th, 2010, in D.C., featuring conference keynote speakers, panelists, and newsmakers. To join PRSA or register for the conference, visit prsa.org. My guest today is Elliot Brenner. He is Director of Public Affairs at the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Uh, he's going to be presenting at the Public Relations Society of America International Conference uh, in D.C. Uh, this October, and you can get a link to that in the show notes. Uh, his session is How to Build Trust in a Nuclear Environment, a Public Affairs Perspective on Citizen Communication. I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview today, Elliot. My pleasure. Give us, if you would, in a nutshell, um, a little bit about the uh, commission and your role there. Well, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission was uh, created in, I believe, 1974. It's a five-member commission. The members are uh, nominated by the president, confirmed by the Senate. Uh, one of them is chosen by the president as chairman, and in my role as director of public affairs, I am spokesman for the chairman is spokesman for the agency and i act as his uh, surrogate so that's sort of uh, what our uh, organization is like we, our portfolio is to regulate uh, nuclear reactors and all other things nuclear in most locations um, nuclear is used in a great many fields be it medicine or construction so we have a a, a pretty pretty broad mandate in those areas. And prior to that, you were with Boeing, right? I did a stint with Boeing doing public affairs. They had the program to put the uh, checked baggage explosive detection machines in airports, and I had a great deal of familiarity with the um, uh, National Transportation System and the Transportation Department and those who are setting up the TSA. So that was a, a uh, a very fun and challenging assignment. Well, I have a number of questions that were sent to me either through Twitter or Facebook, and I wanted to start with this one from Richard Perry. He's the host of 10-Minute PR Podcast, and his question is, to what extent is the Nuclear Regulatory Commission using social media tools to engage with Americans? The uh, the NRC is actually just at the beginning of the social media path. We have a task force working on the issue internally, and I would anticipate that we will be uh, involved to a greater degree in social media, uh, I would like to think by the year's end, uh, nothing in government ever goes quickly. Uh, it's a an important tool, but I think we all have to recognize that for communication, social media is a supplement to, but not a substitute for, the basic communications functions at a government agency. So just in a follow-up to that question, this one comes from Steve Conroy. He's the Corporate Communications Manager at Southern California Edison. In full disclosure, I should say that they're a client of mine. And the question is, given the sharp growth of social media, how will the Nuclear Regulatory Commission address oversight and compliance issues that may arise over these emerging channels? That's that's an interesting question. And it goes to from whence comes the communication that you would be looking at to see 
if it had some kind of a regulatory uh, aspect to it. Uh, I think that's something that we'll have to be looking at. But uh, most of the communications from between the NRC and those we license, such as Southern California Edison, are more formal communications in the form of letters and orders, uh, the more traditional type of communications that that you see. And I, I would be surprised if uh, we were to move into social media to be using that for any kind of formal uh, regulatory communication. What is the single biggest communications challenge facing the nuclear industry today? Interesting question. Uh, one of, I, I think, perhaps uh, there are many challenges, but but the one that um, I, I find the most fun to work with is uh, the notion that um, you sh- uh, nuclear is not something to be necessarily feared. Uh, it is something to be very carefully controlled, but it can have benefits. It's in a public affairs and public relations point of view. You can't see it, you can't taste it, you can't smell it. So it is a a very mysterious uh, uh, entity. And communicating to people that there is a government agency which has as its mandate making sure that when nuclear is used, it is used safely, uh, is uh, an interesting communications uh, exercise. Um, And then also, tell us what is the single biggest misperception people have about the Nuclear Regulatory Commission? Uh, I think the single biggest misperception that I have encountered is there are many people who say, oh, you get your money from the nuclear business, therefore you must be uh, beholden to them, when in fact the opposite is is true. The NRC, uh, about oh, 15, 20 years ago, Congress told the NRC that it had to collect about 90% of its operating costs from the corporations that we license. What in effect happens is we bill uh, utilities for our services. That money only stops briefly at the NRC because we turn around and send it all back to the Treasury so that the net cost of running the NRC is about a a penny per dime, about 10% of the costs of running the NRC come from the taxpayer. Uh, Because this is the official podcast for the Public Relations Society of America International Conference uh, for the fifth consecutive year, I'd like to take a moment and just drill down on some communications questions, some brass tack questions. And these come from Gil Alexander. He's a senior communications project manager at Southern California Edison. And he asks, what's the ideal working relationship between the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and plant public information officers? Uh, it, it's a good question, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that Gill is is uh, paying attention. Maybe he'll be at the conference. The uh, the ideal working relationship is a mixture uh, of uh, clear communication one to the other and uh, knowing what the other is doing, and to some degree a hands off or or arms excuse me arms length relationship because. 
a utility has one set of objectives and a regulator has another and where we have common cause is on safety uh, so I recognize that there are things that from the corporate perspective uh, a public affairs shop will need to do and I'm sure they recognize that from the regulatory perspective there are things that the NRC will need to do where we do have a shared interest is uh, safety because that is the only job that we are focused on at the NRC and utilities rightly so should be focused exclusively on that well speaking of safety how does the nuclear regulatory commission approach media statements by plant critics that are false and potentially alarming to the public uh, inter interesting question and uh, I've been at the NRC for about six years now and I came in and uh, I'd like to think that I brought a more aggressive posture to the public affairs office here in fact I just finished reading over an op-ed from one of uh, our public affairs people back to a newspaper in a state where there are a number of people who are not enamored of a particular nuclear plant my office is much more aggressive in reaching out to media where uh, misstatements have been made to point out the errors that have been made quite frankly we try to educate reporters so that they know to question the validity of particular statements if they're brought up uh, in the context of a piece that's being submitted for publication or for broadcast so that the reporter can recognize something that is over the top initially and challenge the person who's asked who's posing that uh, presenting that information a discussion with the fight over Yucca Mountain with the nuclear regulatory commissioner's spokesperson after this this January 2011 Paul Gillen and Eric Schwartzman bring you the first book devoted exclusively to B2B social media communications Packed with business-to-business -business case studies and applied knowledge, Social Marketing to the Business Customer is the most comprehensive collection of B2B social media marketing guidance ever assembled. B2B markets are driven by value and relationships. That's very different from B2C markets. This book's a hands-on guide. It walks business people step-by-step -step through the process of using social media to find and engage business customers and ultimately drive more revenue. Social Marketing to the Business Customer is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and Borders. Or buy it at our show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Also available for iPad and Kindle. There's a good deal of controversy about used nuclear fuel storage at Yucca Mountain. Explain to us what's going on and where the commission is with respect to this. That's that's a, a very good uh, question intro into, into this topic. Uh, it's been a long-running one. What I'd like to do is just kind of give you a state of play. Uh, Congress years ago decreed that Yucca Mountain would be the place where used nuclear fuel would be stored. The current administration decided that it wanted to pursue a different course and the Department of Energy had submitted an application for the NRC to license a repository for this used fuel at Yucca Mountain. 
the administration has now asked to withdraw that application. Uh, there have been a number of appeals back and forth, and recently a panel of administrative law judges, a subunit of the NRC, uh, ruled that the Energy Department could not withdraw the application. However, the staff, uh, meanwhile, the NRC staff continues to work on that application. The full commission, the five-member commission, will be considering the, uh, in essence, appeals of the decision of those administrative law judges. So sometime in the very near future, we will get an answer from the full commission as to whether or not they believe the Energy Department can withdraw the application. One commissioner has recused himself because he did some work associated with the Yucca Mountain, so there are four commissioners who will be uh, opining on this. All of that notwithstanding, the entire issue of Yucca Mountain is in the uh, Court of Appeals. So regardless of what the commission itself does, you will likely see uh, continued legal action within the federal judiciary on this. Uh, back in March 2007, undercover investigators from the Government Accountability Office set up a false company and obtained a license from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission that would have allowed them to buy the radioactive materials needed for a dirty bomb. Now, according to the GAO report, uh, National Regulatory Commission's, uh, Commission officials uh, did not visit the company or attempt to personally interview its executives. Instead, within 28 days, the National Regulatory Commission mailed the license to the West Virginia Postal Box. Uh, upon its receipt uh, of the license, the GAO officials were able to modify its stipulations and remove a limit, remove a limit on the amount of radioactive material they could buy. So uh, I'm sure you were well aware of this. Um, at the time, the agency said uh, they considered the uh, radioactive devices to be a low-level threat. Um, I, I'm interested to know, from a communicator's standpoint, what happened? What did you learn from this experience? Well, the, um, that's a, a good question, and I remember that episode well. The, uh, uh, my recollection is that the volume of material that the GAO attempted to, uh, or at least on paper said it tried to purchase, uh, was not such that it would have made a particularly effective dirty bomb. However, the GAO did uh, point out a weakness within our system, and to its credit, the NRC uh, overhauled the licensing process so that there is much more hands-on involvement. Now, from a communication standpoint, it was important for the public affairs office that I run to step up and say, yes, there was a hole in the system, and we have moved to fix it. Uh, looking over the longer term, this produced a, an accountability system for lower levels of um, nuclear materials and the creation of what we call the National Source Tracking System, which is a database accessible by those who buy and sell nuclear materials, generally used in the uh, construction or health or food safety areas, uh, to track from beginning to end the, uh, where these materials are and who owns them. Uh, but, but during the process... 
Um, did you learn anything about the speed of how, how quickly you needed to respond or, uh, you know, dealing with uh, an environment where attention spans are often so short, people move on to other news breaks so quickly, and, you know, it's, it's possible in an environment where information needs to be de- declassified for that week or that, you know, three days uh, to pass you by, and next thing you know, people have moved on to other priorities and their their perception has been cemented already, even though you may be releasing valid information after the fact. I mean, anything there you can give us? Well, one of, one of, the, uh, one of the good things about being somewhat on the inside here is that we were aware of what the report would say based on the work that we had done with the GAO. And uh, it, is, it is much easier uh, in terms of doing these spontaneous short-notice communications exercises to have uh, some fair amount of preparation uh, done ahead of time. And we were fortunate in that we had a very good sense of where they were going so that we could prepare ourselves accordingly. Now, I have a background in the aviation business where you can have uh, be thrust into a crisis communication system on a moment's notice. And uh, I'd like to think that that helped us uh, be prepared and at least stay even with this story. Uh, the United States is seriously discussing expanding the role of nuclear energy to both reduce its carbon emissions and foreign fuel dependencies. Uh, in a recent online feature, David Lockbaum criticized the NACLI- Nuclear Regulatory Commission for its past lapses and wrote that it would be challenging to handle the increased responsibilities. Uh, this next question comes from uh, William Labby. He's director of nuclear generation services at TRC Companies, uh, Inc., and I should say they're also a client. And his question is, what is the agency doing to support the efforts of the industry in new nuclear construction? Good question. Uh, the NRC, to its credit, uh, recognized very early on, uh, back in 2002, 3, 4, that the industry was very interested in seeking licenses for new reactors. The NRC began ramping up its staff uh, dramatically. We were hiring four to 500 people a year. Uh, we were having natural attrition of about 200. So we went from an agency of about 2,800 people to an agency of right around 4,000 people in very short order. We set up a separate division uh, dedicated exclusively to reviewing license applications for new reactors and in parallel to that created a unit based in Atlanta to deal with all the construction inspection uh, issues that will come as these new reactors are being built. So the NRC, working with a new licensing process, created a new licensing division and a construction inspection division. And that is beginning to, um, to bear fruit. Uh, we, we have 13 apl- active applications now for 22 uh, individual reactors. And those applications, along with the design certification for the reactors themselves, are making their way through the process. We expect to be in a position to make a decision on the first licenses probably in early 2012. And final question, and this again comes from uh, William Labby, the TRC Companies. 
What are your recommendations for what the power industry can do to improve their efforts in new nuclear construction? The, I think the uh, primary uh, thing that the agency looks for is when we get an application for a new reactor, that it be as complete and as thorough as possible. So those who apply downstream of the first licenses should probably uh, study the process that the first one went, first ones went through. The cleaner an application is and the more information it conveys, uh, that means the fewer times we have to go back to the applicant to ask questions. And it's that iterative back and forth process that takes a considerable amount of time. So uh, it's our hope that as this process matures, we as an agency will be able to move a bit more quickly and that the industry will learn from the uh, first several licenses that go through the process so that uh, the, the work is done uh, a, a lot more on the front end than having to be done on the back end so that the process will move both smoother and more quickly. Elliot Brenner, Director of Public Affairs for the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission, will be presenting at the Public Relations Society of America conference in Washington, D.C., and the title of his session is How to Build Trust in a Nuclear Environment, a Public Affairs Perspective on Effective Citizen Communications. Now, you also have another session as well, right? That's, that's correct, Eric. On Sunday, there is a, I'm making a presentation on crisis communications to the student organization of PRSA, and I'm uh, uh, fortunate to have also on the panel with me uh, an individual from the uh, Federal Aviation Administration who has similarly uh, extensive background in, uh, in crisis communications and a, uh, a gentleman who's a professional in the crisis communications field, Richard Levick from Levick Strategic Communications. And one of the, one of the messages we want to convey to, uh, to students who are getting into the field is that preparation and practice is everything. Well, it's very generous of you to, to do the PRSSA session as well. It's, it's, it's really fun. I enjoy doing things like that, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And we're looking forward to meeting you, so thanks again for taking the time to do this. My pleasure. You've been listening to a special edition of On the Record, online with Eric Schwartzman, the official podcast of the Public Relations Society of America International Conference, October 16th through 19th, 2010, in D.C. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, post a comment to the show blog at ontherecordpodcast.com. Connect with us on Facebook or Twitter at On the Record, or send an email to eric at ericschwartzman.com. This podcast has been a special production of On the Record Online and the Public Relations Society of America. Unlike normal productions of On the Record Online, this episode recording cannot be duplicated without explicit permission from PRSA.